You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 421, reasons to be cheerful. One, two, wait. There are no reasons to be cheerful. BBC presenters earning bundles from corporate work. And what's the deal with Lou Reed? That's all coming up after Bowling for Soup and 1985. <laughs> took a farewell tour here in the UK back in 2013 but seemed to have been touring here most years uh, since then um, th- th- this was a track from their 2004 album A Hangover You Don't Deserve a single that reached number 23 on the Billboard Hot 100 number 35 in the UK 
Bowling for Soup and 1985. They were a big band at my uh, my sixth form college where I attended. This is sort of the brief era of new metal. I was I was a, a, a 16 year old to an 18 year old from 2000 to 2002. So the era of new metal and its slightly slightly broader cousin skate punk were very big at our uh, at our sixth form college. And whilst I I was more of a, a post Brit popper, I did I did indulge in some of it. And yeah, we used to listen to a lot of Bowling for Soup in our canteen. So that them and the Blood gang were kind of the sort of frat boy frat boy bands that we always listen to so yes I, 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 I wouldn't say I necessarily liked Bowling for Soup but I had a fondness for them if you see what I mean oh me too I, I'm not a huge fan overall but I just love that track because the lyrics good are track. so funny yeah it is yeah, good yeah. fun welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council it's episode 421 I'm Terence Stackham and as we've just heard from Sussex by the Sea it's Juliet Harris. It is, yes. Hastings United, I think, still run out to that. They certainly used to run out to that. And uh, yeah, there's there's something about hearing that, being a, someone from Sussex originally, when you're stood in, you know, 12 degrees damp rain in February. <laughs> that always stirs the soul nonetheless. So thank you very much. I should run out to that next week, really. Hello, everyone. Now, here's what will probably be a one-off interjection, a, a brief interlude mm. um, called Guess the Singer. I mean, I and don't want this to be a brief interlude. I love this as a concept. Let's try and see how in. it works. Okay, okay, see how it works. I'm going to play you and the listener uh, a 30-second clip, just 30 mm. seconds, of a single released in 2011. No shazamming, no sound hounding. Okay, no, 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 no. I've, I've, got my, I've got my hands in the air like I'm, like I'm not particularly just bothered. I'm not going to do it. It's fine, yeah. Okay, so see if you can figure out or guess who this is. chorus come in there that's very kind of you thank you it's it's heavily vocoded so it's difficult that could literally be anybody as a result i am i don't know i thought i recognized it and then i didn't i will guess at katie melua but i could i'm probably wrong i suspect from 2011 her one and only single release to date it's called like a bird as we heard a bit of the chorus there that was the then 17 year old tiffany trump Oh Donald, gosh! Oh Donald's my daughter goodness! Daughter from his second marriage. I to was Korea reading Mark. about this the other week. Yes, that that is. Uh, yeah, she's. Um, she, she she seems to be the most interesting of all of the all of the Trumps. Really, I get there was a quite a good. I can't remember who it was now, but someone wrote an article basically saying she's sort of the lost Trump, really, Tiffany Trump. But um, yeah. that wasn't that wasn't an I've unpleasant heard worse, Jules. No, no, I have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've made worse records. I've got to be honest. So <laughs> so yeah, actually, yeah. Who knows? Well, well, I'm sorry that Tiffany Trump didn't make the main bit but at least she got her moment in the sun anyway now studying law at georgetown in washington i I was thinking we should perhaps be grateful that neither don jr or eric has tried a music career no or ivanka or Or whatever her name is yeah 
Yes, Ivana. Is Ivana. It Ivana? Yeah. I can't. I can't be bothered to get a name right, really. Which, which is not, you know, not misogynist. I just, I just can't be bothered with that family. Well, when but they I come th- out on I stage, th- you think, oh, there's another one. You know, they they, they seem to keep coming. It's, don't it's, they? it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like the Von Trapps or or, or the or, <laughs> or their equivalent over here in Mormos and one, the Johnsons. There are Johnsons everywhere, apparently. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they are the equivalent that's true uh, um, depressing and, and there isn't a lot of humor in that at the moment but anyway <laughs> uh, so yeah writing um in the daily telegraph this week giles brandreth wrote about how smiling seems to get you forward in life he says that the uh, the psychiatrist dr anthony clare made a study of successful politicians and found that the most successful were those that smiled the most and it, it in that uh, sense, Giles Brandreth concludes that in British politics, the rather scowling face of Jeremy Corbyn, leader of the Labour Party, mm. therefore doesn't stand a chance. Now, cheerfulness can be an attractive quality, but I was thinking it can also be negative depending on the situation. There probably isn't a woman listening who hasn't experienced walking oh, past a yes. building site and some lads shout out, cheer up, darling. It, I, yeah, exactly. To which point you say it already has. Go away before I run you over. And many of us will have uh, worked in offices with someone who's the definition of cheerfulness, which can be wearing when someone is grinning at you all day, no matter what. But Jules, you've been looking into a report that in America, cheerfulness is is pretty much mandatory. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like you. I, I'm quite an optimistic and cheerful person generally, which I think occasionally, occasionally winds my partner up <laughs> who does find it a bit draining. I think occasionally and I don't blame her, frankly. But um, but yeah, I, I've always been someone that's been quite a quite a, an upbeat and positive person. And I've always been quite resilient and and just, you know, I've always been quite a cheery person and I prefer to be cheerful than not. That's not to say I haven't had sad moments and sad times. Of course I have. But I think you get used to that. You know, I, 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 I feel that's a cheery person and but america does always having i've only been to america once and that's that's vegas which i don't necessarily take as being indicative of <laughs> america in general but i've got friends that have been to places like new york um, la they've been to the sort of the city places and they find the customer service there to be so aggressively cheerful and helpful that it almost doesn't feel <laughs> sincere really and i think that's a bit of a thing here really i think i think i'm I, yes, I prefer. I don't like people who are resoundingly negative all the time. I find that very draining. But equally, I don't like people who are dishonest. And I think there is a dishonesty in, you know, this kind of cheerfulness all the time. And it's not always that helpful, I think, as well. This this piece, which is um, published in a publication called Aeon, Aeon, it's spelled A-E-O-N, Aeon. I don't know. Anyway, I'll stop getting distracted by that. Um, it's talking about um, they start the the author starts off talking about the Boy Scout ceremony that he attended. And one of the the Boy Scout pledges, which perhaps we can all get on board with in America, are to be trustworthy. I mean, some people find that easier than others. I think loyal, helpful, and cheerful. And and the and the idea that you absolutely have to be cheerful. Um, you um according to the ancient Greeks named four virtues which is which were originally temperance wisdom courage and justice Aristotle our old friend added some more but cheerfulness wasn't one of them so so the Greek philosophers weren't that bothered about how we were feeling really compared to how we were acting and I love this little kind of Aristotle summary he said that we would ideally feel good whilst acting good but he didn't consider pleasure necessary for beautiful action that is quite profound isn't it really so basically 
it's the idea that you should that you should always do good things even if you don't feel good inside yourself you should always go go ahead and and, and carry on anyway um but america they just seem to they, the americans just seem to have this idea about them that they that, that largely seem to stem from the boy scouts the founder of whom was british um the the boy scouts but law paper power the boy scouts uh, movement started here which seems quite funny given that the english have a, a reputation for being a bit doleful i think even before our current misery fest that is our political climate over here and we've always had this reputation for being a bit the brits for being a bit dry and a bit reserved and a bit kind of melancholic really i think so it's, it's, so i find it interesting that this kind of insane cult of cheerfulness which seems to have taken hold in america was inspired by the boy scouts who were founded by a brit there's something enjoyably <laughs> enjoyably ersatz about that i think um and when you read through you know the good boy scout and his, his belief in cheerfulness um it says um, it, uh, the Boy Scout believes that cheerfulness is infectious and can spread to those around him. I mean, oh. it's not if you're having a bad day, people being cheerful. That I can think that it can, and I think that actually, I think that you. I mean, I'm someone who is a positive person, but I try to be a sensitive person as well. And if someone in my office is having a bad day, they do not need me whistling <laughs> cheerily and kind of getting on. They need me to make them a nice cup of tea or coffee and just shut up for three hours. And then if they want to talk, I'll happily talk with them. And I think I think that's perhaps a slightly healthier attitude. Um, uh, this lovely Paul quote says, if you have to tell someone to be cheerful, then they aren't feeling it. And I think that's it, really. It, it's it's cheerfulness and, and happiness is something that has to come without sounding like, you know, private ICU's corner. It has to come from within your own soul, I think. It's not a it's a state of mind that you can kind of work on. But if you if you're not feeling fundamentally positive, then it's difficult to find a. Uh, find a way through that although having said that acts of kindness can cheer so mm. if you're I, I had a day once i remember at work which was awful and i was really struggling and my nice colleague who sadly passed away recently r.i.p valerie she was a lovely lady came in after lunch with a cream egg and said that she felt that i needed it and i have to say i did feel considerably cheerier for the rest of the day partly because i'd eaten chocolate and partly because my colleague had shown me such kindness mm. so so i think it is possible to help people to improve their moods but by simply telling them to be cheerful i don't think that's the way forward i think the way forward is to show people kindness and understanding i think i may have found a gap in the market i think i'm going to write a book and publish it in america uh, i'm going to call it the joy of being miserable right. and uh, i think there's a lot of fun to be had in being a misanthropist and and, and downbeat although um, i do i do occasionally find men of a certain age and so you need to be careful <laughs> not to fall into this trap sir terence oh, i right. find men of a certain age that are kind of professional grumps to be extremely wearing because it is a kind of a performative grumpiness that basically you, you i find some men particularly in pubs in 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 some of my local areas mm. they use this as an excuse oh he's a grumpy old man they use this basically as an excuse to act like an a-hole most of the time and and then they go well that's just his funny ways no it's not he's being rude and unpleasant so so i want you to be careful terence that you don't you but you're a fundamentally pleasant and decent fellow <laughs> so i just i just don't want I you will take that on being board. dragged into this kind of performative grumpiness as a smokescreen for being not that nice yeah, well, I was planning to be a kind of guru for miserableists everywhere, but I think... I, I, I'm sorry to have persuaded you out of that, really. Yeah, I, I think, think I've changed my mind. As long as you can do it in a way that, that has some humour about it, then I think that is a... I mean, I very much enjoy the comedy for Jack D, for, of Jack D, for example, who really mm. is 
dolefulness in a human being because I, I i enjoyed his his um his lead bloom which is basically the british curb your enthusiasm yes. i very much enjoyed that i thought he was excellent at it so there you know there is a humor in miserableness there is a humor in in victor meldrew you know there is a humor in that sort of that sort of thing i do get that but but and there and it is annoying when apparently there is a whole consumer can, there is whole consumer culture in America that has sprung up around cheerfulness and you can go window shopping and find you can buy inevitably buy products to express your cheerfulness um, that says uh, things like, you know, you can catch more flies with honey and, you know, be like a proton and be positive. And that just makes me want to set no. fires to, to public buildings. So I do I do agree with you. Having said that, this article makes the excellent point. Maybe, Terence, rather than being more rather than being a guru, maybe we should be. I know this is almost a cliche now but maybe we should be more scandinavian the danes are apparently one of the cheeriest nations in the world yet they don't go on a lot about cheerfulness they 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 do have they do have some ideas of this thing called huge i think which is a sort oh, of a kind, yeah. kind of a positive, positive way of thinking they have that but they don't have this ridiculous consumer culture around it they manage to find a way of being of being nice without and being happy without necessarily sort of going on about it which makes me think it is it is a state of being that you find in your soul rather than necessarily are told or learn how to do well while we all consider moving to copenhagen uh yes let's i'll book the flights coming next the the big bucks to be made on the celebrity speaking circuit so uh, we are available for bookings before anybody else <laughs> yes, that's right. I, will, I will be at your fire extinguisher awards do please give me a call that's right after booth and the bad angel oh my there's nothing i can
such a glorious tune, isn't it? And speaking of positivity, that that really does uplift me. That song, and I I, I realised recently I was I'm having quite a busy time at work, and it's very easy to get locked into things. And I realised I wasn't doing enough of the things that I liked, which include listening to music, which I really do find relaxing, and I do enjoy it. And I happened across that song, and it was even better than I remembered it to be. I just think that is so. That's just I I just find it so cheering actually, and it's 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 a lovely song, and it's a lovely message. It's such an exuberant vocal by Tim Booth as well. I think that really is a, a proper dollop of happiness. That is Tim Booth or an, an Angelo, and then I can never pronounce it. Lamenti. That's it. Well done. Um, Sir Terencio over there has managed to pronounce <laughs> it correctly. But yeah, Booth and the Bad Angel, and that is, I believe. What a great track. I'd forgotten all about that collaboration. Bernard Butler's on it as well, playing guitar. Yes, he is. It was, I, I first came across it on Shine 5, which I bought as a teenager. So, yeah, what? I mean, I, know, I don't understand why that record isn't played more often, really. It would sound good on daytime radio, too. It would sound good in a shop. It'd sound good anywhere, I think. Yeah. Absolutely splendid. Just a one-off collaboration that they did yeah. back in the mid-90s, I think, about 95, 96. 96. Mm. Yeah, and it does sound like that a bit, doesn't it, really? I don't, I don't think it's aged particularly badly, but it does sound That's a little a bit of its time. Yeah, but it's you no know, wonderful tune. Uh, perhaps we've perhaps we've all noticed from time to time a celebrity popping up on social media, posting a selfie of themselves, hosting some awards evening, uh, the British Carpet Fitter of the Year awards or UK Drain <laughs> Cleaners Annual Awards night or, or, or so on. Now, what bunts these celebs earn for these gigs depends very much on the degree of their celebrity status. I, I was looking this week at uh, uh, glancing at a website called speakerscorners.co.uk and it shows that if you're if, if you're a junior member, say, of the cast of Hollyoaks or Emmerdale, mm. you'll grab about 500 quid for your efforts. Not a great deal. But stars are then graded by their status through increasing income streams until you get to Gary Lineker, Jonathan Ross, Kirsty Allstop, where an evening's hosting with them, well, negotiations start at £15,000 wow. for a couple of hours and head upwards. And um, some people like Steve Coogan or Miranda Hart, they're on the, they're, they're covered by this uh, website. Their fee is listed price on application. Oh, wow. And if you, if you have to ask the price and you can't afford it, usually. Absolutely. You'd need very deep pockets indeed. Now, they're all very innocent. And who could deny these people a chance to open up yet another income stream to contribute to their retirement pension plan? But, Jules, should we be concerned about conflicts of interest when, say, BBC journalists are asked to host these things. Well, this is a really interesting take on it, isn't it, really? I mean, and actually, it's interesting, sort of, you get certain people that are just sort of presenters for hire, aren't they, really? And you think, well, yeah, fair enough. I can I can understand why Nick Knowles would want to do the Scaffold of the Year Awards or whatever, really. You can see some kind of relevance here. But this interesting piece in The Telegraph, um, this has been, and our discussion, this has been sparked by the fact that um, two BBC journalists pulled out of speaking at what is described as is a controversial law firm speaking as a lawyer is there any other kind but anyway um with apologies to my current workplace but um so fiona bruce who um i've always been very fond of her work on antiques roadshow fake and fortune and things like that she now hosts question time she got the gig from david dimbleby and so that is uh, you know probably the one of the most high profile um bbc political programs i reckon it probably gets one of the biggest biggest kind of um viewing figures and perhaps most 
crucial. It'd be interesting to see how these broke down. But I come across norm. I, I more of my normal friends watch Question Time than they do that they watch sort of anything else really. Uh, that my my normal, I mean, kind of not hugely up to their knees in party political debate friends. So just kind of or my parents, I suppose, people of that generation that has a huge kind of just general public kind of um, audience. So her and the BBC's business editor, Simon Jack, who's often on today and BBC Breakfast and who's been around for ages and ages and ages, have both been booked to speak at an autumn com- conference for Henley and Partners. Um, they, unfortunately, are a leading player in the legitimate business of passports for sale. Okay. So they, which is not ideal, really, um, it means that, that they... I mean, it is legitimate, but it is a little bit shady, isn't it, really? The, the idea that they... And and I've been trying to... It's, it always worries me when you try and Google something and and you can't find very much on it, which makes me think, gosh, that really is underground. But I did have a look to see what passports for sale meant, and it seems to be... Um, it seems to be a system whereby you can buy citizenship, residency um, in in other in other sort of countries. Really. So it's buying your way into into going to another country without necessarily you can buy citizenship without necessarily you know having to go through all of those pesky mm. tests or anything like that. So whilst it is you know one of those things that is legal, it's not it, it, it's a bit shady, isn't it really? Mm. So so it, or, or it's perhaps not that moral. You might argue really, it's one rule for the rich and one rule for other people um potentially them doing that may have been um and of course the main problem with this passports for sale business is that it can inadvertently i say inadvertently you know it'd be interesting to see how much due diligence they do i get the impression they don't do very much because there's been reported kind of you know criminals who happen to have a lot of cash money you that you should be interpret you know you're sort of interrogating people that happen to have a lot of ready cash using it as a golden ticket into other countries so so not a great thing for them to be involved with um they pulled out after they heard they were potentially breaking BBC rules of speaking engagements. So the BBC rules are that they allow its employees to top up their pay packets with, with work from external companies, but they they rely on people to self-police. So this seems to be a bit dangerous and also a little bit irresponsible, I think, really, that the BBC are basically saying, well, you can do extra work, but it's, you know, you sort it out, which then puts the onus on you to do your own kind of due diligence, which they clearly didn't do here. So people like... The examples given in the Telegraph, Lauren Laverne. I hear Lauren Laverne on a lot of voiceovers at the moment. Lauren Laverne, Jeremy Vine, they can, they can, as well as, um, as well as doing things like, you know, presenting on other BBC programs, things like that. They can do stuff like, uh, they can work with charities and they can go at panel events and they can host award ceremonies on their days off without breaking any rules. Um, but actually, there, there's talk of there should be a public register so that they can, they can sort of, you know, look and see what's going on with their top-up salaries. It's interesting to think to quote i can't believe i'm quoting lady gaga but i remember her being on great i know this is odd it's unexpected but she went on on graham norton once graham norton asked her she didn't want to do this or she didn't want to do that you know why didn't she want to do this she just said well look you know I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing. I make really good money. How much money does one person actually need? And you think, well, well fair play to Lady Gaga. Not a bit, all BBC presenters seem to take that attitude. And it's, it's difficult to get the balance right because part of me thinks, well, you know, this is a Telegraph article and there are certain elements of the press that will just bash the BBC, whatever they do. But it does seem a bit strange to me that you've got news journalists who are meant to be 
impartial people mm. the bbc are meant to be impartial they have quite clear lauren laverne has commented previously that that she doesn't talk much about her political views which considering her mum was a labor councillor and i think tried to be a ppc at one point they they have you know there is that background and she always says oh she you know the bbc has impartiality rules and she tries to stick to them um so so there's that element of it where you think well you know if, if fiona bruce is meant to be moderating a political debate every week does seem a bit strange that she's wanted to get involved with people that that you know that that sell you know do this passports for sale thing and also if you the idea that jeremy vine can earn things on his day off the bbc now has to publish the top 10 or, or you know it has to publish salaries in bands jeremy vine's salary band according to this for the hosting of his radio 2 show mm. and the hosting of eggheads is 700 to seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds and you do think what yeah. you need more money than that i mean it's it's obviously it's his choice and it sounds like i'm judging him but it does seem a bit ridiculous really also i can't believe that john humphreys gets 650k for today and mastermind but anyway i think it's very it's very telling i think that that you know that there are certain there are certain people that don't seem to have any kind of limits really so i a part of me thinks well people can do what they want ultimately and if people are freelancers and that's that's up to them that's what they do they freelance it seems a bit strange to me that the BBC employs these people and yet won't take any responsibility. It does. The BBC does seem to want its cake and eat it there, I think, in terms of making mm. these people do the, do the due diligence. That does seem to be passing the buck a bit. I don't know. I, 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 it feels a bit... It does feel a bit unwise, but equally, my view on this is that it does... I, I don't know. It just it just seems a bit weird that 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 these that the people that do it. I can get why they would have to do their due diligence, but it seems odd they don't get any help with that. Really, I, that that part of it I find a bit peculiar. It's so very very BBC uh, that the rules <laughs> that you mentioned yes. on working with external companies is so vague, and that the bottom line is that BBC BBC relies on these uh, journalists, celebrities, whatever, to self police and make their own judgments. So there's no specific guidelines for anyone to follow anyway it's it's a strange modern fad i think modern age fad um the obsession with celebrity that i don't know sandy toxfig uh, sue perkins jack d dara o'brien these sort of people can make such vast sums by just Mm. writing a couple of gags about the ceo of a company hand out some awards pose for some selfies with the sales team and then leg it home uh, with 15 grand metaphorically in their pocket Musicians are, are in on it uh, in an even bigger way, of course. I, I was reading this week about Sting, who was paid over a million quid to play for the dictatorial leader in Uzbekistan. Oh, yes, there's a big thing of that, isn't there? there Russians really is, yeah. paying for people to play on yachts and that. That's right. Lionel Richie, Beyonce and Mar- Mariah Carey, they all took home over a million quid to play for the Gaddafi family before that all went... Uh, uh, events changed, let's say, in, in Libya, and they no longer could, uh, uh, could uh, host such things. So I think the moral of all this is that there are well, there are no morals when it comes to celebrities in the Quiet, sense yes. whether film, TV, music, news journalists. If you offer them enough cash, they'll come. Coming next, how great is Lou Reed? Not very, in my opinion. But there we are. <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler. Uh, that's right after Amy Mann.
song that that has glenn tilbrook and chris stifford on guitar and backing vocals from a 1995 album i'm with stupid that's the excellent amy man and that's just what you are absolutely yeah i know you are but what am i etc um not not very fair perhaps to diss the deceased but at least uh at least he can't hear me or can he Indeed. Um, yes well, well, we'll get, i've got this board that i'm gonna set up so we can soon find out <laughs> The final album released by Lou Reed was a collaboration with Metallica and the album was called Lulu. And here are some of the quotes from reviews from The Quietus, Pitchfork and so on. Exhaustingly tedious. Lou Reed ranting over Metallica demos never intended for human consumption. I mean, cat- I'll have to say I haven't heard this, but I find that account to be plausible. A catastrophic failure on every level. Hey, that's that's my <laughs> who's the writing this? That sounds like my school report. <laughs> <laughs> Grueling, said the Daily Telegraph. Hey, and that's me. This is all my reviews, Terence. Are you sure you haven't confused Lou Reed with me? <laughs> the last chance saloon have now called last orders. So not not much positivity there, but No, it, it's it, not it's not it's, it's it's not even mixed, is it? <laughs> that's not it, mixed reviews, no, no, pretty 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 uniform reviews. It did make substantial inroads into the album charts all around the world though. I've never heard it. I'm tempted to mm. listen to a bit of it later on. Um, I don't know if you're a fan, Jules, but um, I'm wondering if you'll be looking to buy this um, this book of Lou Reed lyrics issued by Faber and Faber on November the 7th. Um, by the way, there's a deluxe edition that you may be interested in, yours for 100 English pounds. Oh, for goodness sake. That does seem to be a little bit excess- excessive to me, I must admit. I- I've always gone a bit on and off, Lou Reed, really. There are certain... Um, well, I like the Velvet Underground and Nico very much. I think that's a great album. And I like some of his solo stuff. But it makes me laugh that this this you know, this book of his lyrics that's been yeah. published, that's, you know, it's very profound and it's got all these... Um, it's got all these, uh, these, these people that are queuing up to write in the um that to write in the forwards so it's got introductions by laurie anderson and martin scorsese and all these very important uh, important artistic figures um presumably it won't be setting out with um with setting out the lyrics uh do 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 are they gonna are they gonna put those in calligraphy i'm not sure i mean i'm obviously being a little bit a little bit spurious here um but yeah i don't know if hey baby baby take a walk on the wild so we'll make it in or not i don't know i i a generation people know that by the way because i know so deep a generation know that actually by the way probably not through new year but because it was sampled by a tribe called quest on can i kick it 
yeah. And that's probably why most people know that. But yeah, I've always found Lurie to be a bit of a a bit of a funny kettle of fish. Now I could have this completely wrong and he could be the world's nicest guy. Remember again to bring it back to Lauren Laverne, she said that she did an interview with him once and she'd been warned about him being awful and he was actually quite nice. But it does say a lot about someone that, you know, if people have warned you that this person is awful, I don't know, I find that I I, I do feel a little bit that, that lots of people from that punk era as well, that New York C B C B G B's kind of era, mm. I I get the impression they were all a little bit in love with their own mystique really. I could have that completely wrong but you know no, any, right. it's 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 the sunglasses indoors syndrome isn't it really <laughs> i do and i think that lou reed was a great proponent of that sunglasses and leather jackets indoors <laughs> i i really I, I i find that to to sum up a lot and apologies to there are any lou, Ra- lou reed fans listening he has made some interesting music and actually to be fair i was played metal machine music once by somebody and it was i found it genuinely interesting i mean it was it was you know, not particularly musical, but I found it to be quite an interesting thing. So on the, I'm trying to find positive things to say about Lou Reed. On the plus side, um, he 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 didn't he did make some things that were interesting. He didn't just try and do that thing of you know, and here's now. Here's now, you know, Mark Wee Moon reissued and repackaged for the fifth time. There was he did a, he did try to do, I think, a little bit more interesting things than that. He wasn't one of these people that were that were constantly from that era trying to re release and repackage the same thing that they did over and over again. And the Velvet Underground, you know, were a genuinely excellent band. Um, I. You know, some of his songs are to the test of time. Perfect Day, for example, brilliant. Also, another BBC misstep that they used that prominently in their Children in Need song in 97, 98, with lots of people singing on it. And only when it was going through the editing process did someone apparently pipe up in the editing room, did you know this song's about smack? Mm. Um, It was quite entertaining. They didn't actually reach that point until then, by which point it was, of course, all too late. And it had been used in train spotting as well, which was the film about smack. So that was obviously not ideal for our friends at the BBC. But... um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, it, I, I was men of a certain age that are wrapped up in their mythology. I, I just find it hard to buy into. As, as a young woman, I just find it. I, there are some. I'm not saying I'm anti-men. There are some sort of male performers that I've, that I've really come to enjoy. Actually, Elvis Costello, for example, I didn't quite get him when I was younger. And the older that I've got, the more I've enjoyed his music. I've always loved the Clash. Wish Joe's drummer was still with us. You know, a, a big mm. fan of lots of that music of that era. I just, I, I get put off by Lou Reed in the same way that i get put off by bob dylan really which is just this kind of mythology that that surrounds them and they, and the fact that they that they attract all these kind of chin stroking very po-faced people that you know are very serious um i also find laurie anderson's output by the way to be far more interesting so so it's i don't know i do like lou reed but i find this kind of um I don't know. They're, they're, I got the impression that he was always some these kind of posy rock stars. I always have increasingly. I have a little bit of an issue with now, and I don't. I don't know why. I could have this completely wrong. He could be, you know, an incredibly nice mm. and interesting bloke, and I'm. I'm a little bit kind of um, misplaced on this. I don't know, but I find it this kind of. Um, this uh, published books of lyrics as uh, sort of industry i find a little bit strange as well there are some that i've got that are excellent but i think a lot of people i mean the do 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 thing was particularly cool <laughs> but there are a lot of people i think and people around them that let themselves get persuaded that their their lyrics are far more interesting than they are and i wonder i wonder about lou reed's i just wonder that's all i've got a bit of a history with lou reed oh. uh, 
Wow, good. do tell, do tell the uh, route. Saturday, 15th of September, 1973. What's that, 40, 46 years ago? <laughs> wow, that was a while ago. And 11 years this before month. I was born, I'm sorry oh, to my say. Word. Do carry on, yeah. I saw him live at the Crystal Palace Garden hmm. Party, which was a series of gigs. It was held at the Crystal Palace Bowl. with the. It had this un, un, unusual arrangement that there was enorm, an enormous lake between the stage and the audience. That sounds very odd. It, it really cut the ambience in half before anyone put a foot on stage. Uh, a very strange location. Uh, the, the day was most mem- memorable. This is the bit I really remember. James Taylor was top of the bill, and he was singing Fire and Rain, just as was Lightning that and lovely Thunder. song. Oh, wow. Yeah, Lightning and Thunder spread across the bowl, and there was no health and safety in those days, so we all got absolutely soaked in rather hope that we weren't uh, you know, about to get burned alive by by, by the lightning that, that strike. Is, that is almost uh, ITV 60s set drama heartbeat levels of literalism in its soundtrack, isn't it, really? Pretty peculiar. In the late afternoon, uh, this is one, an all-day thing that went on into the evening, in the late yeah. afternoon we endured Lou Reed. Uh, it was 1973, and... Uh, in the days leading up to the gig, there there had been loads of rumours that David Bowie would turn up and play a few songs for them. Mm. I think he just produced um, uh, Transformer was the album, wasn't it? I think it was around that sort of time. But Bowie, of course, didn't turn up, and uh, Lou Reed's, it was just a noise. And we I could put up with anything in in that time because sound mm. there was no. Uh, uh, Look, you know, nobody bothered about decibels and sound quality as they do today, but it was just awful. He was really arrogant on stage, and it seemed as if he didn't care, couldn't care less. And I think uh, he he wasn't in the same universe as us because that was in what uh, what was known as his lost years, wasn't it? So a hideous mm. noise, and so no love for Lou Reed from me. I have a bit of an issue with the fact that why is it that men are allowed lost years and women aren't? Mm. Uh, my uh, my comparison for this would be. Why is it that Winona Ryder did a bit of shoplifting whilst being a bit mentally ill and her career was done in for about 15 years, yet uh, people like Louis C.K., for example, are starting to tour again? I find that I find that offensive. That's a very good point, because uh, blokes in that situation are sort of, you know, all bad boys, you know, and it's all sort of... Could you imagine uh, Debbie uh, Harry uh, doing something like that? Well, can I point. Can I point out Debbie, Debbie Harry didn't do something like that? Yes, she was extremely ill because she was she had problems with drugs, but she was also nursing her partner who had the same problems. So actually, it's I find that that's another thing that puts me off about the sort of rock and rollers really i I find there's far more tolerance given to this behavior of men i'm not saying this behavior wouldn't be unacceptable in women but it's it's you know i i find the dual standards to be a bit wearing yeah now jules last week as i watched chelsea throw away a two-goal lead uh, against (laughs) Sheffield united i had my phone pressed to one ear my finger pressed against the other ear i couldn't hear all the cheering and everything just so that i could hear you beat yet another contender for your crown on ryland's couch potato quiz on radio 2 but yesterday your reign finally came to an end. It did finally come to an end. Like all good things, it had to come to an end. And I went into it being told that if I could beat my 10th challenger, I would go into the Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, I came up against a large rock in the shape of a nice man called Cliff, who got 10 out of 10 on his 90s questions, and that was not something I was able to match. But I continued to have, a, a, a as, as the legends that are Spinal Tap put it, I had a great time all the time. I very much enjoyed it. And we had a we had a nice chat, me and Ryan, as we always do, and Ryan's a 
assistant Lottie, who is a super person. And uh, they put me in their Hall of Fame anyway, because they had enjoyed having me on so much, which is a very kind thing to do. And it's been it's just been, you know, it got out of hand. What can I say? The whole thing just got out of hand. And it's just been it's just been really fun. And it's and it's been lovely that all of my kind of mates have got into it. And it's just it's just been the nicest thing. And it's been lovely to listen to Ryland's show because he is he is such a talented broadcaster who I think mm, is so he underrated. Is. He's now he's now beginning and sort of, as we discussed yesterday, sort of an assault on TV, I think, by hosting. He's he's bringing back Supermarket Sweep. It's been announced that he's bringing, pardon me, he's been bringing back a Ready Steady Cook. I did, when answering my question, suggest that he brought back Gladiators as well, which he's been quite receptive to. So so it'd be interesting to see what happens. But no, it's it's been it's been lovely. I've had such a wonderful time. It's been a it's just been a it's just been a blast. It's been a real laugh. So you won't be on on, on Radio 2 this week? Uh, no, I won't, which is odd, isn't it, really? How quickly we got into that routine and now it ends. Oh, it's all over. Um, thanks very much indeed for listening. We, we, we really do appreciate it, seriously. Yeah, always, absolutely always, yes. Thanks to Rona and Hilly as well. And, as always, uh, yeah. Well, actually, here's another great collaboration to play us out, Jules. Yeah, I, this is a, a new thing, and I really, really enjoyed hearing this on Six Music. Um, I was a big fan of DJ Shadow when I was younger. I thought it was excellent. I really, I still repeatedly play his first two albums, Introducing, which was a sort of a trip hop record that was pioneering in its own way. Because it I was really it, innovative. Yeah, I believe it was the first album to be consisted entirely of samples. I think it was something like that. So it was seen as you know really inventing a new genre there. And his the follow up, the Private Press, I possibly like even more. That was a big record for me at university. Very fond of it. Um, and then as time went on afterwards, I I didn't like his record so much. I felt he'd sort of lost his way. I didn't find him very interesting anymore. I I uh, I yeah. I I I'd sort of went off him and stopped listening. And then this track played on the radio the other day, and I thought, oh, that is so good. And he's made excellent use of the guesting dead soul here. I thought. Mm. Um, and I this this is just a, an insanely catchy tune. I keep finding myself kind of humming the rain the main riff as I as I go about my daily basis but uh, this is DJ Shadow and this is the excellent rocket fuel ladies and gentlemen ladies and gentlemen
rocket fuel. You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs> <laughs>